<laughs> I'd like to welcome on the program the one and the only Cruzy McCalligan for this week's midweek audio column. Cruz, I'm so sorry. I was going to go for a jingle, but went for a song. I blame my very no, fat I fingers. It. Yes, it got me in the mood. Actually, <laughs> I'm really happy about that. It was a funky little tune. I oh, hope to keep playing it later. <laughs> I'm so glad. You know when you line everything up and you're like, yes, go to a jingle, and then you press something else. Anyway, um, maybe it's the typhoon. How are you doing today, Cruzy? I'm great. I'm very hot as we all are. It's that pre-typhoon heat, hey? It really is. 34 degrees right now and it's uh, windy. How, how windy? Have you been outside yet or have you been out and I about? Have, I have. It has, there's been no wind where I've been, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> there's not been any wind. Um, but for now, um, but yes, yeah, so I've just been thinking a lot recently about sort of ways to keep cool and to cool places to go that are cool, especially with children at the moment with summer holidays and things. Like it's summer, you want to get outside, but sometimes it's just stiflingly, bakingly, disgustingly hot. I agree so, with you. Uh, yeah, so my kids often end up at the library nearby. Very nice. Do they love yes. the library as well? They absolutely love it. And our local library um, in the uh, Municipal Services Building um, just recently was renovated and is an absolute delight for children. It is absolutely beautiful. It's like air-conditioned and lovely, and they could just be there for hours and hours and hours. And it just made me realize like how much I love libraries. And I think I've always loved libraries, even at school, going into like the school library. And me and you went to the same high school. And like, we probably hung out in the it. library at the same time, yeah. but just in different <laughs> sections. Did. Yeah, Yeah, but it's that feeling of like, you know, when all the, you know how the books are laid out and there's always something and it's like it's like it gives you the same thrill as window shopping <laughs> but it's a library right and there's all the yeah anyway the point is i love libraries um and i have a whole bunch of friends who are librarians around the world and i've always been curious in what they actually do but the more i think about it it's actually a really interesting job and i wanted to think about what it like what a library really represents and the kind of history of a library so that is why we're talking about libraries today excellent Cruz. you know we went to the same school and do you remember in year seven of course you know i'm i'm, I'm much older than you but i remember when i was in year seven and i'm, I'm wondering if you you have the same class we had it with an english teacher and we we learned all about the dewey code system uh, the the dewey classification where, where we'd learn how to find books from the library and i'm wondering if it's because i'm so old that we had that did you have it in in your year yes, group yes i remember learning the dewey decimal system i don't really know a lot about it anymore like i knew it at the time right like i understood it at the time but i haven't required that knowledge for a long recently. time yeah. nowadays no, we just time. we just just go on to the, we would just type in theme words and you'd be able to find the book in whatever section in, in yeah. local libraries. Well, yeah. actually, there's a reason that the Dewey Decimal System came to be. So librarians used to actually have to have a particular style of handwriting known as librarian hand, like a particular kind of writing. And the practice was prevalent in the late 1800s when there was the library pioneer Melville Dewey of the Dewey Decimal System fame. And there were other curators of early collections who believed that legible handwriting was a must for card catalogues, right? Obviously, it would be. Can you imagine if it had this, uh, librarians had the same handwriting as doctors on prescription notes? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> you'd never find anything, right? Um, but the practice faded as typewriters grew in popularity. So it's kind of interesting. Um, now, what's really interesting is that, like, when we think about, like, all the different kinds of... Um, libraries they are and how old they are and how long they've been around. Um, the library concept itself dates back millennia. 
So the first systematically organized library was in the Middle East and established in the 7th century BCE by Assyrian ruler. I will not pronounce his name correctly, so I apologize. Ashurbanipal in Nineveh in contemporary Iraq. And this library contained approximately 30,000 uh, cuneiform tablets assembled by topics. So there was like, it wasn't books per se. It was like these tablets of, of probably stone or some other material. And they were, they were, they were categorized by uh, topic. And many of the works were archival documents and scholarly texts. But there were also works of literature, including the um, ancient epic of Gilgamesh. So like many kind of... Um, bibliophiles, so people who love books, uh, the person who started the library was very protective of his library. And an inscription in one of the texts warns that potential thieves would face the wrath of the gods for stealing from the library. Um, so it's got, you know, it really has that amazing feeling of um, being this really precious, you know, sacred, sacred space yeah. almost. It does feel that way, doesn't it? It does. And almost Almost every great civilization that followed built libraries, which were repositories of knowledge from far and wide, and some were so large and comprehensive that their legend lives on, lives on today, like the Library of Alexandria in Egypt. Okay, now this does not exist, but it's believed to have held perhaps as many as 700,000 documents from Greece, Persia, Egypt, India, and other regions. It was so large that it had a branch facility, like a sub-library at a nearby temple. And it's absolutely, like, this is absolutely amazing. And the lost um, library of Alexandria, like, is famous with historians because if people think, if you had any idea, if we ever had access to that library, what we would know about history would just be absolutely mind-blowing. Um, apparently there was a another... Um, Another person um, uh, famous in Baghdad, the library, the Bayat al-Kikmah, the House of Wisdom in Baghdad, established in 1830 CE, was a super library famous for a huge collection of things. And in the 10th century, the library of Caliph al-Hakam in Cordova, Spain, boasted more than 400,000 books. Now, that's a lot of books, considering it's the 10th century. Do you know what I mean? A this lot isn't, of books. I wonder, that's a I, lot of books. I wonder how many authors it was. Maybe it was one person penning. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, they were all very prolific in those days. They didn't have much yes. to do. If you were an author, you just really wrote, didn't you, really? Um, but it's quite amazing. Roman Athens had boasted expansive libraries, as did cultures in other parts of the world, such as China and the Mayan and Aztec civilizations of Central America, too. And, of course, the goal of ancient libraries was simple, to collect knowledge, learn from it, and use it to make life better. So important advances in agriculture, architecture, medicine, art, manufacturing, war, and more were all disseminated via these huge collections. And as centuries went on, people began to realize the benefits of having publicly accessible hubs of knowledge. And that's when libraries became commonplace in cities and towns all over the globe, right? Because most towns in the, in the world that we know of, right, that are reasonably privileged, even those that aren't, would probably have a library. I you wonder know? how like, many people frequented the libraries. I w because, you know, you have to be able to read and, and literate. And, and I wonder if, if many absolutely. people went to schools. Or, or maybe they did. Or maybe they had picture books. I, I, I don't know. Who knows? But I think it's really interesting to think, um, you know, people always debate, like, you know, do we even need libraries anymore? I mean, I, I, I'm sure it was similar to you when you were at university. But for me, that's where you did your research. You had to go to the library to do your research, to look did, up journals. And exactly. that was the credible sources, right? It wasn't Google. You couldn't just Google information. You really had to go to credible sources. And libraries were those havens of truth, right? 
Exactly. And and it's where we did our homework sometimes and, and revision and exams. And Oh, absolutely. I was very fond of doing writing in the library. I found it a really <laughs> great place to focus. Um, but it is interesting because before the internet, libraries were community centres where everyone was kind of, you know, that everything, everyone was welcome in the same way that unfortunately or fortunately everyone is welcome on the internet. You know, that, um, but, you know, so it's really interesting and people do think, oh, well, there's no place for a library anymore. But actually community libraries still flourish and they're more popular than ever and one reason is not everything can be found on the internet there is an astonishing amount of information resources that remain available only on paper or other media at libraries so sometimes to get what you want you have to physically go to a library so even though we think the internet contains everything in the whole wide world ever it doesn't so there is still a place for libraries and there's this um yeah and it's it's a place that i think is like generational as well like children the idea of Googling something for a child is totally abstract and uninspiring and unfulfilling. But a child finding something that they want to read in a library is quite magical, if I'm going to be a bit sentimental about it, to be honest. Oh, it makes me want to go to a library right now. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Wouldn't that be delightful? Just escape the Hong Kong heat. The two of us could just go sit in a library and read some <laughs> some exciting novels for a few hours um but yeah so there's there's lots of really exciting things about um the library and of course a lot of people think that again that they're on the decline and stuff like that but um there's actually just they're, they're they're kind of evolving all the time and they're innovating different ways i mean like if we think about the concept of a library i know that even around the world you have this idea of like public libraries have this kind of rich ongoing history as societal equalizers because you're offering people who visit um, past and present opportunities to read, learn and advance themselves. So without libraries, who knows where we would be as a society and what advances may never have been made. Essentially, if you think about these libraries, that you know that what how they started and what they are today is this repository of enormous amounts of knowledge. You've given people the people you know, the average person in most circumstances, obviously I'm, I'm not in every circumstance, but you're giving access to knowledge to so many people. And that's, you know, one of the things that's obviously very democratizing about the internet, but also there's something about the li- a library, which is that kind of space, which is quite amazing. Mm. And I love the idea of like different kinds of libraries. Like in, um, I know in New Zealand, I have friends who run things like toy libraries or tool libraries or like, you know, like that kind of, or free libraries that you just have a box on their street with books that people bring and return, like in a kind of trust-based system, Um, you know, like people, you know, that you have these things that people can, um, can, can share. The funniest library I found was the Library of Smells in France. <laughs> the Osmothique, the Osmothique um, in Versailles, um, Versailles, Versailles, rather, sorry, uh, founded in 1990, is a repository for perfumes and contains over 3,200 scents, some 400 of which are no longer made. And the collection is an archive of perfume making history. So they a lot of like famous perfume houses um, donate samples of their perfumes to like safeguard their formulas, which makes me think about the seed vault, you know, like the doomsday seed vault that humanity has, where we have like all of our seeds for our agriculture stored in like sub-zero temperatures somewhere in case we have in an case, apocalyptic event. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's like that. But we might smell. need that for the typhoon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so it's really interesting. Um, but yeah, so then 
Uh, we talked a little bit about the, uh, the Dewey system before. Um, the system, as I said, was developed by Melville Dewey in 1873. So it has been around a very long time. And it's been adopted by more than 200,000 libraries in 135 countries. So the way it actually works, for anyone who isn't familiar or is totally out of touch like I am now, the scheme works hierarchically by dividing knowledge into 10 main subjects, meaning that books within the same subject group can be shelved together. It's thought that the only category um, that, that failed to produce a book in was 100-100 philosophy, apparently, um, that, that was meant to be, yeah, that it didn't, um, there was, sorry, there was a writer who wanted to publish a book for each of the categories, and the only one he couldn't do was for 100 philosophy, which is the Dewey system philosophy. Otherwise, people are like, it, you can't do all of them, right? Like, it's just that um, there's just too many categories that you can actually write. Of course, another place that we know or we don't know, we might know that there would be a pretty secretive, amazing library, is the Vatican's secret archive, which isn't actually very secret. It's called the Archivum Secretum Apollosticum Vaticanum. <laughs> a bit of a mouthful. Um, Just a bit. Like, I'm, I'm really impressed, though, Cruz. You said it Oh, thank well. you. Yeah, thank you. Apparently, Latin is something that I, <laughs> a skill I, ha I have that I don't realize. Um, but these, these archives have been available to researchers since 1881 and uh, today contain items accumulated in over 600 archival groups on 53 miles of shelving. Wow. 53 miles. miles of shelving. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot when you think about, like, the Internet and you'd be like, you know, just 7 billion results on Google, right? But, like, the physical space required is quite remarkable, I think. Um, uh, we talked about, like, other kind of different um, things to do with um, with different libraries. And one of the things that I always think about is, like, library fines when you have an overdue library book and how terrible you feel about it yes, have you ever done this i have and i and i and i wonder like you know is, is somebody waiting to get this same book out from me and and probably they might be yeah, they very well be. could be mm. i always love it when you get a book out of the library and you realize the last person who borrowed it might have been like two days ago or 16 years ago <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> That's, what I, that's one of my favorite things about going to get a library book is like it could be like, oh, someone just finished reading this or someone read, last read this in like 1975. You know, it's quite exciting. <laughs> um, but apparently one of the most overdue library books in the world was returned after 122 years. What? Um, yeah, in 2011, the Camden School of Arts Lending Library in Australia had a first edition of Charles Darwin's Insectivorous Plants returned to them. So the book had been checked out in 1889 and had lain among the book collection of a retired vet before the library stamp was noticed and the book returned 122 years late. Oh, well, better late than never because they could have kept it, but, they, but the family didn't. They returned it. And how lovely that is. Yeah, I think so too. So it's quite amazing these different kinds of ideas that we have about, about different kinds of libraries. Um, Unless it was and the like, same guy who, who who borrowed it and then returned it. No, it can't be. Yeah, I don't think that yeah. would happen, Mike. That would be like, <laughs> be like do one of those things. Yeah. yeah. I can think about that, though. I can think about, like, I've definitely had moments like that where I'm like, oh, like, it's on banana to-do list to return a library book, like, years ago. Be like, I know it's going to be, you know, and then it comes to be, like, an amount of money, like, 25 Hong Kong dollars. And you're like, oh, my goodness, it sh so shouldn't have been that. Like, if I just returned it earlier. But it's not a, it's not very, it's not like it's a very 
serious system, right? Exactly. But I guess yeah. it's the, the principle. It's like you've taken a library book. Like, it's not yours. It's from the library. You must take it back to the library. Yeah. Unless, um, unless you've, you know, had it for like 10 years or 15 years and you think, gosh, the fine has come up to... 10,800. I don't know. I'm just making that up. And then you yeah, think, true. I may as well just tell them I've lost it. And then, oh, I don't know. Potentially. That's... Who knows? Yeah. Well, people do steal a book from the library. <laughs> the book that is the most often stolen from libraries, this is around the world, is the Guinness Book of Records. <gasps> really? Yep. Yep. <laughs> but you The know, Guinness Book of Records. But, you know, I, I have read uh, the Guinness Book of Records at, at the Hong Kong Library, uh, the one in Causeway, <laughs> and it's always a popular one. It's true. It's always a popular one for people to borrow. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. Here's some, um, here's some really famous, um, famous librarians throughout history. So they, these, you will recognize some of these names. Jacob Grimm of Grimm Fairy Stories, Mao Zedong. Uh, Philip Larkin, who's obviously an author, Marcel Proust, a philosopher, um, Lewis Carroll, who wrote um, Alice in Wonderland. So there's like all these really famous people who also were librarians, you know, like writers and thinkers and stuff. And you would be, wouldn't you, when you're surrounded by all of those things all of the time. I have two quotes to finish on today. Yes, please go ahead. Um, the first one is from Mark Twain, who said, A public library is the most enduring of memorials, the trustiest monument for the preservation of an event or a name or an affection. For it and it only is respected by wars and revolutions and survives them. Wow, very deep. Isn't that beautiful? Because mm. it is, like the idea of someone destroying a library gives us all a visceral reaction. You know what I mean? It does. It's a horrible thought. Mm. Um, T.S. Eliot, the author, said, the very existence of libraries affords the best evidence that we may yet have hope for the future of man. All of this lies in books and the importance of learning from our books, I really think. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Oh. And access, equal access to knowledge. Exactly. Oh, Cruz, <sighs> thank you for such a beautiful sharing. Maybe our listeners can use this typhoon rainy evening, night, uh, and enjoy a book or two, or maybe yep. take the Head opportunity down to the library. return. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Return <laughs> any outstanding books that you might have. Exactly. There you go. Oh, um, I was talking to James Ross earlier today uh, about your segment, and he mentioned that there were mobile libraries uh, when he used to live in Stanley. And every week oh. they'll be um, uh, uh, run by the government, um, and they, they drive around, and you can borrow books from from these mobile vans. How lovely that uh, is that! How delightful! Yeah, <laughs> just waiting by the street corner, waiting for the for the mobile library to, to come along to your street and borrow a book and return the old one. Yeah, that's beautiful. Should... That's the spirit of a library exactly yeah make it accessible well cruzy thank you so much for your time this afternoon and i look forward to chatting to you uh, next week thank you so much no problem bye, bye for now i've been dreaming about the 